nothing better for a young, nothing, nothing more enjoyable, more fun, more cool for a young boy than to break a wooden board with their bare hands. I don't know how many of you guys took karate growing up, but I did. And uh, we, in, in uh, karate, they teach you to punch and kick, and, and they teach you to grab and throw. And, and we just had so much fun with this. And when you do karate, um, they, they, if you're doing well at it, they will take your belt level. You start off with like a white belt, I think it is, and you kind of move up a belt level. And you know that they, they, you end with a black belt if you do really well. And so kids just love karate, and we look up to the black belts, but I'll tell you, there, there, are, there was a pinnacle of karate that was above the black belt. And if you took karate, you know what I'm talking about. You knew you had reached the true pinnacle of karate when you were playing with a real sword. You know what I'm talking about? Those real swords with the blade on it. It's like, now you've arrived. And I, I didn't really get to play with a real sword. I, I think I did get to touch one once, and that was, that was cool, cool in, in and of itself. Um, but the second to playing with the real swords was breaking one of those wooden boards with your hands or your feet. And, it, you know, it's just like a small board like this, and they cut it across the grain. So honestly, it's, it's kind of easy to break. Um, but but they, what they do is they would hold it out for you, and then you would kind of keep it firm like that, and then you'd kick the board and, uh, and hopefully break it into two pieces. And, and as a young boy, that was pretty, pretty cool. And so, I, you know, I, I, as I've been thinking about it, I've been thinking about the board, and I was, I was like, it's, hard to understand, it's always hard, been hard for me to understand why... Um, that would help you in a self-defense situation. You know, that's what karate is supposed to be about. And it's like, can you imagine somebody coming at you with a wooden board? I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I have broken your small board. <laughs> now, you have, now you have two small boards. <laughs> uh, so so it, it, it never really made sense to me, but it was cool. It was cool. And so, uh, so we broke the boards. You know, there are a lot of things in life that are really easy to break. Things, there's a lot of things that are easy to break. But there's one thing I want to talk about today that is hard to break, and that is our habits. Do you know what I'm talking about? Whether it's, whether it's biting your fingernails or having angry outbursts, it is so tough to break a bad habit. So tough. And they can be all sorts of habits. Sometimes it's something as simple as like watching too much TV. Um, sometimes it's more complex, and it's like we find ourselves habitually in unhealthy relationships, and it's hard to understand what's even going on there. We all struggle with bad habits, and they can be devastating sometimes. Sometimes it's like we're, we're struggling with an addiction, and, it, and it's kind of taken over our lives. And I think all of us in here at some point or another, I have certainly wrestled with a lot of bad habits and continue to wrestle with them. If, it, if you've ever wrestled with a bad habit and, and really wrestled with it, sometimes you can get to the place where you kind of feel like this is really too hard. It's too hard to overcome. We can feel stuck. We can start to feel like this is impossible to break this particular bad habit. Well, today what I want to do is I want to walk through some biblical principles that teach us why we have bad habits, where they come from, and how we can really break them. So what I want to do here is I want to get to the core of the problem, because I think oftentimes when we're talking about bad habits, we are thinking along the lines of self-control, self-discipline, right? If I could just not eat that extra roll, 
If I could just have the self-control not to do it, then I wouldn't have this bad habit. And we think that bad habits are all about self-control, and I think that's part of the, the, the solution. But I want to argue today, I want to present for you today that perhaps our struggle with bad habits goes a little deeper than that. That, you know, and, and sometimes it's our personality. Sometimes Some people have a personality that is more likely to struggle with a particular bad habit. Sometimes we have genetics that cause us to be more likely to struggle with a particular bad habit. But I, I, I want to argue today that, that there is something deeper. And I, I think the Bible teaches us that there is something deeper that is the beginning, the source of our bad habits. And what I believe that the Bible teaches, and we're going to see this in our passage today, is that the, what we set our hearts on, what we set our hearts on determines the sort of habits we're going to wrestle with. What we set our hearts on is going to determine the sort of habits that we wrestle with. Most people in life set their hearts on things like having more money. A lot of people set their hearts on having possessions or having vacations, or, or we can set our hearts on, on leisure, it's something as simple as like having fun and pleasure. And when we set our hearts on these things, it can determine the sort of things we're going to wrestle with in terms of our habit life. I believe this is where habits begin, in the heart, not in the hands. And so, you know, for example, lots of people struggle with patience. Anybody struggle with patience? <laughs> um, so, so, imagine for a moment, if, our, if we have set our hearts on pursuing as much leisure and pleasure as we can in life, that's kind of something that's core in our hearts, when we go and have the opportunity to experience some leisure or some pleasure, you know, whether it's TV or uh, alcohol or sex or any sort of pleasure, it's good pleasures in many cases, but, but when, we go, when we have the opportunity if we have set our hearts on experiencing as much pleasure as we can in life, what are we going to do? We're going to grab it. Because if we don't grab that opportunity for, for leisure or pleasure, it might pass us by and then we won't have that opportunity again. And so a lot of times we have gotten in the habit of grab, grab, grab because we have set our hearts on this and no wonder it's hard for us to stop watching as much TV or whatever it is, whatever habit it is that we're wrestling with, whether it be food or, or anything. What we've set our hearts on is determining the sort of habits we are wrestling with. Uh, Thomas Huxley was a famous biologist and speaker, and he was one time speaking out at this place, and uh, the, the, the event went long. And so he rushed out of the event hall, and he, he, this is back, he was, he was a uh, speaker teaching and speaking on the principles of Charles Darwin, um, who you may be familiar with, evolutionary theory, and he was just a big fan, and, and he would speak at many places. So he was, the event went long, and he runs out the door because he's late for his next speaking engagement, and he hops in the carriage, and he says to the carriage driver, um, I'm, I'm almost late for my next engagement. Drive real fast. And so the carriage spins off, um, off into the distance, and, and so Huxley is there in the carriage, and he decides, I'm going to get some shut-eye while I'm, you know, driving between my events. So he is, he's in this carriage, and he closes his eyes, and after a few moments, he kind of opens up his eyes, and he's looking around, and he notices that they are traveling away from the sun rather than towards it. And he assumes that the carriage driver had been briefed on where they were supposed to go, and he says, hey, do you have any idea where you are going? And the guy shouts back to him, no, Your Honor, but I'm driving very fast. 
And, you know, sometimes I think that we are driving so fast in life, we are moving all sorts of different places, but we have not stopped to consider where in the world it is that we really want to go. And what often happens, I think, this happens for me, you know, see if this happens for you, what often thinks is, is we're not thinking about it, and so without thinking, we just follow what the rest of the world is doing. They're doing it, might as well be me, and uh, this seems to be what you do in life, and we, we are following after things as basic and simple as selfish pleasures or selfish desires. And here's the thing about selfish desires. Everybody has them. Everybody has selfish desires, and there's actually nothing wrong with having a selfish desire. We're going to have them. You, you, want, you want a nice meal. You're, you're hungry. You, you have a selfish desire. It's, it's for yourself. Selfish desires are supposed to kind of come and go in our lives. Um, there's supposed to be things that we satisfy sometimes, and sometimes we don't satisfy them. But when we set our hearts at the center of our souls, we set our hearts on a selfish desire, and that's what we are chasing in life, I think that's where we get into trouble. And we start to follow after the world, and we haven't even thought about it, but it's just what everybody else is doing. We, we get, we, it, for some people, it's being liked. It's like, I, you, you know, we set our hearts, I want people to like me, that's what's really important to me in life. And so that's going to cause our lives to go a certain direction, our habits to be a certain way. For some people, it's career advancement. This is, this is something I want in my life, but now it's become the center of my life. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm, this is everything in my life is moving towards career advancement. It can be money, it can be possessions, a boat, a car. It can be any sort of selfish desire. They're okay to have, but when they get to the center of our lives, then we get off course. Here's the problem with self, making a selfish desire the core desire of our hearts. It's going to lead to a life that is not very satisfying. It's not a satisfying way to live. We were not designed by God to live for something as basic and simple as a selfish desire. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. This is a passage, our passage of the Bible. You can open up your Bibles there if you've got one. We're going to have the verses on the screen. But it's Colossians chapter 3. And in this letter, Paul is going to be talking to a church in Colossia, and he's going to, and he's going to be identifying that for them, one of the problems is that they want to have one foot in the world and they want to have one foot in with Jesus. And they're off balance, and they're not able to uh, get stable it's causing bad habits in their lives, and he's going to tell us what they really need to set their hearts on and how they need to redirect. And here's what he says. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. You know, we died to our old life, the old way of living, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And so I want to encourage each person here, I'm going to ask this of myself. We need to ask ourselves, am I setting my heart on worldly goals or on Jesus' goals? Am I setting my heart on worldly goals? Can we have that slide? 
Will I set my heart on worldly goals or Jesus' goals? When we set our, to set our heart on Jesus' goals is a lot like what Paul says in the text. He says, set your minds on things above. So setting your, setting your mind on heaven means that we are, are letting go of, of our, a life that is focused on the things of this world, and we're going to set our hearts on things that will matter in heaven. How many vacations we took and how expensive they were when we get to heaven is not going to matter. What sort of car we drove when we get to heaven is not going to matter. How big the house was, how nice the yard looked, just won't matter. We'll be in heaven. We're going to have a lot better things in heaven than that Lamborghini. (laughs) Nobody here has a Lamborghini. (laughs) Or maybe you do, but great. But, uh, <laughs> but, but we're, when we're in heaven, we're just not going to care. It's not going to matter. We're going to have some sweet cars out there. So here's the thing. So, so in, in, in heaven, in heaven, different things are going to matter. And so why don't we just set our hearts on the things that are going to matter anyways? Things like loving people. Things like living a life that pleases God. Things like, um, you know, making a difference in the world. Rescuing somebody from a self-focused life and into a life, a wonderful love relationship with Jesus. Why don't we do that with our lives? That's going to matter in heaven, and we're going to be glad we did it. So, uh, so are we going to set our heart on worldly goals or Jesus' goals? Now, everybody, when we ask ourselves this question, if you're, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, you're here as a Jesus follower, you are probably saying to yourself, yeah, I have Jesus' goals. That's, that's what I want to set my heart on. That's, that's where I've set my heart. And Jesus says, yeah, we often say that, but sometimes our actions betray our words. He said, in his day, there were a lot of guys who, who would uh, go out, and they'd be, they'd be giving away money, and they'd make a big show of it, and they'd tell people about how they were giving away money. And, he, and Jesus said, said to them, you know, he said, he said, you're not doing that for God. You're doing that for show, to get so people will like you, so that you'll be seen as a good person. That's not for God. They had this thing in, in Jesus' day where people would go out of their house in the morning. Instead of saying their pra- morning prayers in the house, they'd, they'd kind of go out on the streets, and they'd shout loud, and they'd be praying out loud on the streets. And Jesus, Jesus said to the people, he said, when you're doing that, you're not doing that for God. You're doing that to be seen. You know, one way we can kind of see what's in the, the center of our hearts is if we ask ourselves, if Jesus came back today, would I be disappointed? Think about that. If Jesus came back right now, would I be disappointed? And if something pops up onto the computer screen of our lives, and and it's something that we would be disappointed about, that kind of shows us there's something in my life here that I consider more important than being with Jesus. And so it's it's kind of weaseled its way into the center of my heart. So what Paul is going to do in this passage, he's talked about where our hearts are, and what he's going to do, he's going to go from hearts to ways, because what's in our heart determines the way we live, and the way we live determines the habits that we have. So we did hearts, now we're going to go to ways. And here's what Paul's going to teach us about our ways. We need to leave behind worldly ways for Jesus's ways. Leave behind worldly ways for Jesus's ways. This is what he says, Colossians 3, verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And so he's saying these ways 
we're, we're, they're, they're coming to us from our past. And let me just say, it is very natural for us to live um, according to the ways of this world. I struggle with this. I'm sure you do too. And part of the problem is because we live in this world, and we've been watching the world. And one of the, one of the reasons we, we get into the ways of the world is because we are just copying what everybody else in the world does. And there's no better example of this in my mind than uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas in middle school. I don't know how many of you guys remember JTT, but if you were in middle school um, when, when I was in middle school and you watched Home Improvement and you wanted to be cool, you had a bowl haircut. You remember those bowl haircuts? I don't know if anybody in here remembers those bowl haircuts, but they were all the rage in middle school. You had a bowl haircut because JTT had a bowl haircut and, it, and everybody wanted to be like him. We copy what we watch. And another, you know, here's another example, uh, Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos. Um, in, in the leadership world, if you lead an organization, you've probably ch heard people talking about their leadership styles. And everybody wants to copy their leadership styles, but when we copy somebody else's leadership style, and a lot of people are doing this, oftentimes we're falling flat on our feet because we're a different person, and, uh, and we can't copy somebody else's leadership style. We're copying the ways of the world, hoping to get their results, hoping to be like them, it's a very natural thing that we do, but it can often lead to us living, the long, living in a way that's not satisfying. And so, the world is teaching us. It's teaching us through TV how we are to live, what we should care about. The commercials on, on the TV are assuming that we want to, want to have more money. Twitter is teaching us how to talk. So many things, you know, they're teaching us to lust after bodies. Everything is assuming that we are just going to follow the way that everybody else lives and focus our lives on our selfish desires. Again, they're okay to have, but when they're at the center, they mess things up. All right, so, th so we have our goals. We have the w they, they influence the way we live, and the way we live influence our habits. Let's talk, to our, talk about habits. Here's what Paul says we should do with our habits. We should destroy old habits with new ones. Destroy old habits with new ones. Here's what Paul says. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all, all such things as these, anger, this is a habit, rage, malice can be a habit, malice is doing mean things to people, just being mean on purpose, slander, saying, ba saying bad things about other people, filthy language from your lips, swearing, habit, it's just a habit. But we're, we're, we, you know, we gotta, we got to destroy old habits with new ones. He says, do not lie to each other. That's a habit. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. So those are the old habits that, that we all have from our past. And here's the new habits that, that we're wanting to learn. These are Jesus-style habits. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness. Make, it, make a habit of gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. There's a good habit, having a habit of forgiving each other. Uh, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So we, we put on these new habits like clothing. That's what Paul says. You wake up in the morning, you put on your clothes, you say, am I going to wear a green or am I going to wear a red sweater today? You put on clothing. You're gonna, so, so we put on new habits like clothing. 
One time, I'll never forget, uh, one time I was paying for a babysitter. It might, might even be, you know, one of the, one of the young people here. Um, probably not. But uh, I, was pay- I, was, I was hiring a babysitter. We, have three, we probably had three kids at the time, maybe four. Uh, and we were trying to figure out how much to pay the babysitter after an evening out. You know, maybe it was our anniversary. And, and, uh, and we were trying to figure out how much to pay the babysitter. It was kind of between two numbers, and we'd just been winging it, uh, I think this much. And uh, what we paid the babysitter, and we went on with the evening, the babysitter left. And I remember, after we paid the babysitter, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I think we underpaid the babysitter. And not by much, I mean, maybe $10 or something, but I was just like, oh, I feel terrible about that. I was kind of between two numbers, but I wish I would have picked the higher number. And I just kept thinking about it, just feel, kept feeling terrible about it. And you know what I did that day? I said, I don't want to do that ever again. I mean, these, these people are taking care of my kids, and uh, I just, I, I want to pay people what they're worth. And so what I did, I, we decided that day, you know what, when we're, when we're trying to figure out between two numbers, let's just err on the side of generosity. Let me just make a habit of being generous. I'm at the restaurant, and it's kind of between 15 and 20%. I don't know what to do. I could figure out what 18% is, but I, who knows how to do that? And, <laughs> and, and I'm, who cares? I want to make a habit of generosity. I'm just going to go with a higher number. And so we've tried to do that in our lives. It's just an example of making a new habit um, from the old habit. So we've got our hearts. We've got a heart. We've got it determines our ways, which determines our habits. But I want to get back to the core of the issue here, because I think the core of the issue is in the heart. Uh, they say that the heart is like a spring in our lives. That's what the Bible teaches us. Did you know that? I'll never, I'll never forget the first time I drank from a spring. I was out on a missions trip. We were working. We'd kind of run out of water, and I guess they knew that the spring was nearby. We were out in nature, and they said, well, let's go get a drink from the spring. And they didn't have cups. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't have cups. But, uh, <laughs> but like, we were, we, were, we were out at the... They said, here's a spring. And, and there, lo and behold, there was a pool in nature... And they pointed to the middle of the pool, and you could see right in the middle of this pool, there was a little stream of water coming up from the ground. I couldn't believe it. And they said, this is a spring. And somebody said, this is the best water you will ever taste. And I said, no way. And they said, <laughs> I said, how am I going to drink it? And they said, well, you just kind of get down and put your face in it. So I, I was like, I don't know. That's putting my face pretty close to the dirt. <laughs> and so I got down, I stirred up the water, and it was like kind of muddy. And I was like, oh, man. And uh, I don't want to drink that. So I moved over to a different spot. I was more careful. I had my lips two inches from the dirt, mind you. And I, I took a drink of water. I tell you, that water was the best water I've ever had in my life. It was delicious. It had flavor. Spring water. The interesting thing about a spring, when it's coming up out of the ground, well, let's, let's take a look at what the Bible says about springs first. Here's what Proverbs says. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The interesting thing about a spring, when you've got a spring, you create a pool of water. The water has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere. And so it turns into a little creek. You take many creeks, you put them together, you've got a river. And what a river has is a current. You see, a spring always leads to a current in our lives. A spring always leads to a current in our lives. And so whatever you have as the spring in the heart of your soul is going to lead to a current that is the direction your life is taking you. And if you and me 
If we are trying to break the bad habit, let's say we're trying to break the bad habit of watching less TV. Everybody wants to kind of watch less TV. Let's say we're trying to watch less TV. If we have set in the, the spring of our lives a desire for, uh, to get as much leisure and pleasure out of life as we can, that spring has turned into a current. And when we sit down on the couch after a long day, and we got the remote sitting there, and we try to say to ourselves, I'm going to try to not turn on the TV, you know what we're, you know what we're doing? We are like rafting down a river trying to turn around and go the other direction. Are we going to have a tough time? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And so what we need to do instead is we need to get into a different river that is heading in the direction that we want to go. And then when we want to go, you know, to a certain place, it's already going to be taking us there. It will be more natural to go that direction. And so what we have to do if we really want to have new habits is we've got to change what's at the spring. And this is, this is how I want to put it to you. We need to make Jesus the center of our lives. When He is the spring of our lives, we will be getting in a river, heading in the direction we want to go towards a satisfying life, and we're going to be heading towards habits that we want to have. That's going to be much easier. Now, the problem with making Jesus the center of our lives is as Jesus followers, we'd all say, yes, I want Him at the center of my life. But it's very easy, maybe you can identify with this, for us to say, Jesus would want me to have this. <laughs> Jesus would want me to have a promotion. Jesus would really want me to have that Lamborghini. Uh, Jesus would want me to have a nicer house, a nicer yard, and these things creep in. And so sometimes we get a little confused about what's in the middle of our hearts. Here's, a, here's how you, I wanna, three questions I want to give you to identify what's at the center of the true center of your life. And maybe Jesus is there, but maybe some other things are too. So ask yourselves these questions. What are you chasing? What are you chasing? Often what you are chasing in life, whether it's a promotion, whether it's more money, whether it's this or that, what you are chasing is going to be tied to your true longing in your heart. Here's another question to ask yourself. Who are you watching? Who we watch often is, is a reflection of who we want to be. Sometimes it's, a reflect, sometimes it's not a reflection of that, but we're watching them, and it's causing us to shift our values. We start valuing different things, caring about things, caring about whoever we're, caring about the same things of the person whom we're watching. So who are you watching? You're going to be influenced by them no matter what. And then thirdly, what are you cutting and what are you adding? It's a very illuminating question. What do you, what in, in your life right now, are you cutting... Um, Cutting leisure time and adding some time with God, that's going to reflect what's there at the center of your life. Are you uh, cutting vacations and uh, spending more time at work? It just shows you kind of what's there at the center of your life. Or are you cutting time at work and, and taking more vacations? That, that, that shows you kind of where, what's there at the center. Um, things creep in. They always creep in. They creep in in my life. If you want to make Jesus the center of your life, we can take the advice of Paul and think about Jesus more often. That's helpful. But I think with a major cataclysmic shift of getting out of one spring and going into another is going to require a big step. And so here's something practical you can do. Find something you can sacrifice. This is a heavy one. I'm, this is not easy. But if you want to truly recenter, you're realizing, I need to recenter. Recenter your life on Jesus. Find something you can sacrifice. 
in order to recenter your life around Jesus. You, got, you, were, you had this Lamborghini you were planning on purchasing, <laughs> and you're deciding, I'm not going to purchase the Lamborghini. I'm going to, I'm going to cut that, sacrifice that, because I want to recenter around Jesus. Maybe you got this hobby that takes a lot of time, and you say, I'm going to limit the amount of time I spend on this hobby because I want to recenter my life around Jesus right now. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is a hard thing to do, and it helps us shift. Oftentimes, if we're going to really shift and make Jesus the center, it's going to require a big step. I want to encourage you, I want to encourage us all to ask God today, God, what are you wanting me to change in my life today so that I can have you as the center of my life, the true center? For some of you today, it may be that you want to spend some time with God in the morning. You're going to cut something in the morning routine that's optional so you can start your day with God. For some of you, it may be, I'm going to finally go to a small group. The church has been talking about them over and over and over again. I kind of wanted to go, but yeah, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to call that person. I'm going to visit one time. I'm going to do it because I know that the people I hang out with determine the sort of values I have. They're going to rub off on me, and I want people in my life who are going to rub off on me the Jesus way. And so, so I'm going to just go. I'm going to do it because I know it's good for me. Maybe that's the, the commitment you're going to make today. Maybe it's, I'm going to, I'm going to serve. I'm going to, I'm going to volunteer in some way to, to serve somebody else, be a part of Jesus' mission in this world. I'm loving on our world and showing them who God is. That's what I want to I'll do. I'm going to make a commitment. It may, be, it may be cutting our spending and being more generous with God. The whole world is saying, get, 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 get. And Jesus is teaching us, give, 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 give. It's a different way. It's tough. It's tough. What, what is God asking you to do? I, I can't tell you what that is, but you ask God, and I, I think he'll bring something into your mind to do. Imagine how much easier it's going to be when we are heading in a river, heading down the river in the direction we want to go, instead of having to swim upstream to fight those bad habits. It's going to be so much easier. We're going to naturally develop some good habits. And the bad habits that we want to avoid, it's still going to require some self-control. We haven't talked about that much today. It's, that's part of the equation because they're old habits and they're hard to break, but it's going to be easier for us all when we have our hearts facing the way we want to go to begin with. Would you stand?